That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome. I'm Andrew Dice. And I am Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the minute. A 160th of an hour rewatch at a time. Yeah, we're watching the movie 60 seconds at a time and breaking it down, seeing what we can find of meaning within it. And we've arrived at minute 23. Just to, to recap, the movie was left us in suspense as Officer Rucka begins his trek from the basement of a, a vacant home up to the screams and promise of a devil above. This minute of the movie, I, without knowing that this moment occupies an entire minute, I don't think I ever truly appreciated just how suspenseful yeah. it is. Because you're watching the movie and they point up and they say, you know, especially like on rewatches, it's crazy. You think, oh, he's going to go upstairs and Batman's there. Yeah. No, he's going to go up each individual step one at a time. It's crazy. And the fact that you, you know, the, the fact that you think that Batman is, you know, two seconds away. Yeah. Is, um, I think goes to show just how, how suspenseful they're able, able to make this. And it's, and so I talked last episode a little bit about Junkie XL that continues to ramp up here that you just have this kind of screeching, sort of scratchy fiddle synth something mm -hmm. going on. And, I don't think it was until this minute, actually, that I realized it was even happening, but it was happening in the last minute, but it wasn't until partway through this minute that I was like, oh, wait, there is there is music that is making me feel anxious right now. Junkie XL, I guess, comes from, like, the Zimmer Club or, or whatever. He's got his, like, pool of people that, like, basically do all of his music. Yeah, their collaboration goes back I, further than I guess I initially thought it did. Yeah. Well, because Zimmer is one of those guys that some people don't like him because he doesn't really actually do all of his music and he's got people that he's like like john grisham or whatever where people like basically will like ghost write a bunch of his stuff and then he kind of you know he'll he'll come in at the beginning and end Curate. but he'll have someone else yeah. do all the legwork and not to say he's not talented obviously zimmer is great but that method is you know not maybe some people would consider it impure but junkie xl sort of comes out of that pipeline and so what they said when they brought him on was that zimmer since he established superman was going to score all the superman and clark and metropolis stuff right and junkie xl was going to do batman and bruce and gotham and i think this is our first real um this is our first real taste of it and it's great we're talking about how this is probably one of the best introductions to batman and in the way that it gets that creepy tone down yeah and the music is very 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 key to that, especially in, uh, I keep on comparing it to, to Joker's theme in the dark night, which I think goes to show just how it's not a hero. It's not a heroic sound. Um, this is not something that inspires you to, to be, um, to be happy <laughs> that, that Bruce is on screen. No, it's, it's pained. Yeah. Right. Like there's a, it's unsettling. And I, I guess I, I didn't really notice until I watched it with subtitles that the entire way up for Officer Rucka, you can hear him. Like, you can make out, you know, shouts of protests. I assumed it was both, uh, like, back and forth, just kind of a, a skirmish or whatever. But it is just the guy shouting, I don't know who he is. Please, I don't know who he is. <laughs> uh-huh. We will find out who the person is that, that Batman is looking for. But uh, the please there is so unsettling <laughs> when yeah. you hear it. And, it. and it kind of represents the, like, step over the line. 
that Alfred is well, going to comment on first, right? That like you yeah. you are tormenting people who might not know. Yeah, well, because we say we haven't seen this Batman before, but we have, right? We've seen the the where were the other drugs going? Yeah. What? Swear to me. Yep. Like, we know Batman participates. Yeah. Do I look like a cop? <laughs> yeah. We know Batman participates in some aggressive interrogation, yeah. right? But have we've never seen, you know, we saw him, he dropped the, um, what's his face off the, off the roof and broke his legs in, um, in Batman Begins, oh. right? <laughs> so, and in the, in the comics, he'll, he will, he'll inflict pain or whatever. So it's not new, but the, the wailing that is coming from, I guess the subtitles say it's Caesar. Yeah. Um, Caesar Santos. Yes. Is we've got this question in our head of who is this Batman? And the closer you get and the more intense that gets and the more scared the cop is and the more scared the, the trafficking victims are. And the more you hear this villain, what we assume is a, a bad guy screaming in, in pain. And it's not just pain like that. It's hard to get a good scream like that, but you hear fear. In this guy's scream, yeah. right? It's not a it's not a Wilhelm scream or something or something like that. It's actually you can you can tell that the the place this scream is coming from is is a place of like pure horror. Yeah, that scene would read differently <laughs> if, yeah. it, if it was different. <laughs> it's a bunch of Wilhelm screams. Yeah. Also, I guess in hindsight, hearing that makes me immediately wonder who is he looking for. I like yeah. it's it's just if any other movie introduced Batman beating up a criminal, saying who is he. Everyone in the audience would be like, oh, this is like the main thread of this guy's character. Up to this point, I guess mentally, just in casually watching it, I assumed that Bruce's larger investigation is like not even really connected to this. And this is completely, he's come here because these are traffickers um, and he wants to know who this other trafficker is. But yeah, the fact that he has, well, I guess that's the entire rest of the minute is one of the most, what would the word be? Like excruciating cases of letting your imagination get ahead of you the shallow focus yeah i was gonna uh, say it's 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 so claustrophobic even though you feel like you're standing there with them yeah well and you're 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 it's not a it's not a wide open space it's a it's a hallway or like a stairwell so there's a there's a sense of claustrophobia from the setting that's present but the way Larry Fong handles the close-ups and which is this is this Rucka or yeah, Rucka. which office? He is so in focus in every frame. Yeah, him, his face, his gun—you can see his breathing. Yeah, it's crystal clear, and everything outside of him is just blurred. Yeah, you can't make anything out. The fact that we need to take each step with him only vaguely like visible what is lit at the end of this hallway and just thinking what <laughs> yeah it's what has batman left behind and i believe the last seconds of this minute are the focus finally shifting to allow us to see into the room and we see caesar santos just some guy stripped to the waist sweaty beaten and both hands handcuffed two pipes behind him yeah i think without knowing it was batman if they had come into this building and found him first they would have assumed that he was the victim. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, hey, there. there's another reason for Batman leaving that handy batarang to glint at them <laughs> to look in the basement and see, like, offer context on all this. Like you said, it's kind of crazy to think that this is a minute of the film is the cop going up the stairs. Yeah. But Well, but it's so much more. I mean, this, this yeah. minute... Like story-wise, yes, he goes up the stairs, but tonally, this movie, uh, this this minute sets the expectation for 
for who this Batman is. Like everything we know, like later in the movie about this Batman, not everything. This may be hyperbolic, but so much of it is very much informed by this minute of just pure uncomfortable tension and and fear over you know what is he about to find yeah and now i i never had any sympathy for um man trafficking young women at all like he could have come up and found him infinitely more badly beaten and me not blush the slightest bit Well, you don't feel bad for for caesar at all but there's definitely a pang of what happened to batman because even he would you know he's this where he is now yeah, like, and we still don't know exactly. You know, we find out that that he branded him, but we don't really know fully what what he did there. And so there, I think there's a big question of. And it was funny watching this with with my dad for the first time. I think he's just, he's just seen it once, but he, you know, he grew up watching, or I, he grew up. I grew up watching the Batman, the animated series with him. <laughs> watched all the Nolan movies with him and everything. He's not really a comic fan, but he knows he knows his Batman, and and we've always like watched Batman together. Watching this with him, and I didn't really give him a whole lot of preface but so he's doesn't follow the news or anything so he has no idea what to expect from this batman or even that he should expect something different and i remember him talking sort of throughout the scene as they're leading up about like he hears the screaming he's like oh batman's got he's serving justice and they're going to contrast how batman's like hard version of justice against superman's overly idealism and i I always remember that during this minute because i'm like nope that did not i understand why you might be thinking that but that is not what this minute is communicating. <laughs> this 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 minute is taking that feeling that you have there of that pride in Batman's willingness to be a little more rough with the sex traffickers, and it is kind of turning it on its head, making him into a, a sort of a more of a horror figure. I really like that, and that ends up being I didn't know it at the time, but it is like one of the theses of the entire movie is Batman's the guy that we want to drag the guy upstairs, right? Like we want, or I'll just speak for myself. I want Batman to be the guy who comes into the house looking for the guy, finds these women locked up and takes the guy and drags him up the stairs away from them. Well, the whole point of Batman is that I can be that, right? Exactly. It's what you'd want to do. It's like the end of the end of the dark Knight, right? I killed those men. Like I can be that. I am the dark Knight. Like that is the burden that I take. And we love that. Because it gives us permission to root for someone who is maybe crossing a line. Maybe he's teasing a line. Like, you know, Superman can't do this because, you know, Superman could treat someone like that. And that's immediately off the table. Like, that's not okay. That's not Superman. But Batman, he can go into the night. He can start breaking kneecaps and and, uh, stabbing people with batarangs. And we're like, oh, no, that's what he does. And, like, we want to root for it. And this makes you uncomfortable with the fact that you root for and that. And there's like, I never make the step into thinking, like I, I would think, you know, oh, he's going to do it. And he does, he's not doing it because he likes doing it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that would be a very easy thing to assume that Batman hurts people because he likes doing it. But then you have to get like, well, is Batman the kind of guy who likes anything? Like, you know, is, <laughs> yeah. is this just kind of what he's compelled to do? Or is it seeing violence towards women? I guess at the end of the day, that's left ambiguous because I don't think Bruce would even be honest at this point about why he's doing what he's doing, right? We haven't really gotten there. Yeah. Well, he obviously saved them. You know, they say he saved us, but he's not down there caring 
for them. You know, the yeah. situation is resolved. Like they're saved. He's got the guy in, in custody, right? But he's still, he's looking for something because the guy is screaming, I don't know him, right? Batman is not the guy to punch out the bad guy, throw open the door and say, you know, this way, ladies. He's going to be the one who maybe smashes the lock and then drags the guy out because he's got his own mission that he's on and it isn't about saving this Batman anyway. But then I'm like, well, Superman didn't really do something that much different anyway, right? Like he grabbed the guy that he wanted and then left. He didn't care about the women left behind that came in crying because all of all of these men had been murdered. He didn't care about Lois having to see all of this. It was, no, I got my guy. I'm doing what I want to do. So mm-hmm. I, I like that early parallel. If we just change it from Afri- an African you know, crisis to an abandoned building in Gotham, like I feel just as good watching Batman or hearing Batman hurt this guy as I did seeing Superman slam into the guy threatening to shoot Lois. Yeah. And that's, you know, maybe that is kind of playing into the whole, the hero is the person who does, who just doesn't think about it. You just do the thing that's in front of you that- The will to act. Yeah. That the movie's going to totally mess with. And um, I guess at least in this case, well, you know what? I'm just going to say Lex Luthor takes both and makes the most of it. Yeah. I don't know what else we could talk about in this minute. This makes me really want to see- Zack Snyder and Larry Fong make a, a horror movie again. Yeah. Like that it would be smaller, right? Yeah. I mean, it's Army of the Dead. Yeah. Larry Fong is not officially attached yet, but I, it looks like he may be. So I, I would be far from shocked if he ends up getting that gig. Sorry, Mr. Santos. It was so rough for you. I, I cannot regret that this kind of justice found you. And I and maybe that will speak volumes about like where we fall on the moral scale of watching these kind of movies. But mm-hmm. it is not wrong to say this movie in particular has no sympathy for men who hurt women. Right. And I think we, we opened the movie on that. Mm-hmm. And we then follow it up with the threat of violence against a woman. And now we have implied violence against more women. Not in like some trite way. I don't I don't think it's like depicting women as victims or anything. Because like we said, you know, Martha Wayne fights back and Lois is part of why Superman can so effectively handle the situation, right? Yeah. Well, and she's the only one that actually figures out, you know, Batman and Superman are so focused on each other. Yeah. She's the only one that actually figures out what the hell is going yeah. on. I mean, that's a later, you know, much later minute, but. <laughs> yeah. And credit to all of those hostages in the basement who recognized, let's just stay down here locked up for right now yeah. <laughs> because, um. We're not going to go run off foolishly now that we have our, our glimpse of freedom here. Let's maybe wait for the police and see uh, who's left standing. Yeah. Uh, a question that will be answered in the next minute. We're not done in this room, and technically, we have not been introduced to Batman yet. Yeah, I think we said at the end of the last minute, when do you think Batman comes in? And if you're paying attention... Yes, you are correct. We just spent an entire minute with this guy going up the stairs, and we still yep. haven't seen Batman. I hope somebody can just, if not make, then just picture the loop of him just walking up endless <laughs> flights of stairs, listening to us describing how cool this all <laughs> yeah. is. We'll leave it there. Uh, Officer Rucka is about to have a once-in-a-lifetime encounter, as are we all. Speaking of Lex... The red capes are coming. The red capes are coming. Hmm. One if I land. Hmm. Two if by air. Hmm. 